You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? Kels Charles and Megan Murray here, and you are listening to Girls Talking Boys in partnership with SB Nation. As always, hello. It's a beautiful Friday today, and uh, luckily we have a beautiful friend joining us today. Uh, we do indeed have a beautiful friend joining us, the one and only Brian Broadus. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, ladies. How are we doing today? So good. I feel like... Fabulous. This is a full circle moment for us because you were our first official guest. Yeah, that was kind of, I mean, you guys have gone on to bigger and better things. I, I feel bad that you had to recover from uh, the initial problems with me being on. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see you guys have have, uh, have uh, gone, uh, gone this route, though. Happy to have you back. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so I think it's pretty obvious what we're going to talk to you about because this is indeed your Super Bowl along with many other people's. And I obviously want to talk about, you know, pick 10, but I also want to dive in a little bit more on the other parts of the draft too, because the Cowboys have nine other picks as it stands today. And I feel like, you know, we've been, we've been talking about Patrick Sertan and, and beating that name into the ground, but I would like to just preface and start off with the first round with you and get your thoughts on, do you feel like that will indeed be the pick for the Cowboys at 10? Do you think they're going to stay at 10? Is it likely that Stephen Jones, you know, keeps accepting these phone calls? He came on your, on, on 105 through the fan, I believe, and talked about how people have already started calling. What's the likelihood of a saying at 10 and B is it certain, or do you think that could be a little bit different? Yeah. The thing usually when you get to like 17, say in the draft or, you know, 21 or 28, you know, you could kind of, the, the names really narrow down. And, you know, everybody knows that the Cowboys struggled so badly on defense. And a lot of it had to do with the personnel that they had. And, you know, they know they need to get better at, you know, they could draft, you know, really anything at 10 defensively, and it would probably help their team. And so, but, you know, it, the cornerbacks, are the groups that, you know, that tends to get the most attention. And, you know, they, uh, fortunately for them, there is a, a really a, a quality group of corners. And I'm not just talking about on corners. There's second round corners. There's third round corners. It's a, it's a pretty deep draft. And in that regard, you know, much like the wide receiver draft is a pretty deep and defensive ends pretty deep. So, you know, if, if for say that, you know, we everybody likes to kind of maybe plug uh, you know, maybe the tight end from Florida into that spot as an offensive player or one of those to tackles Slater from Northwestern who they would probably play at guard. 
but yeah, you know, if, if it's not one of those, then I, I think that, you know, Sertan makes a whole lot of sense for them. Yeah, they see him as a very steady type of a player. Guy's played in huge games. His father was a really good player uh, back in the day. Matter of fact, I scouted his dad, so that shows you how old I am. Oh, now. really? But but yo, yeah, oh, no, I've scouted all these guys, like Joe uh, J.C. Horn's dad and no and Sertan's dad, and oh yeah, no. You every, remember like uh, your scouting reports, like your 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 brief overview of them. Oh my! You my brief scouting reports on those guys. Do you remember them? Oh no! Yeah, I I remember because of like I say, and uh, Asante Samuel was another one I remember. I mean, there's it's so funny. There's like several kids in this draft that I scouted their dad. But yeah, uh, when you talk about uh, Sertan, I mean, he was his dad. You talk about a sticky cornerback, and I mean, sticky in the way of staying in coverage and getting up on your guy, being physical and stuff like that. Uh, J.C. Horn's dad was a wide receiver. Uh, ended up playing at the Saints. Uh, the kid, there's a kid Molden that played corner, uh, plays for the University of Washington. His dad was a the 12th overall pick for the Saints in 1990, uh, 1996. Alex Molden. So yeah, I mean it, it's yeah it, it's kind of funny to see these kids all play, but. You know, and their fathers were all really, really good players, too. And they're all kind of following in this path. But, you know, going back with Sertan, you know, he's got some of the similar traits of his dad. Very steady player, very sticky player, guy that's got the length, got the size, you know, got the athletic ability. All the things that all those neat little scouting buzzwords we talk about when we talk about corners. And I think the thing about it is, though, he's probably the safest of the picks now. If you take, say, J.C. Horn from South Carolina and Dan Quinn's one of his best friends uh, happens to be Will Muschamp, who was the head coach at South Carolina, where J.C. Horn went to school. So they'll know all about J.C. Horn there, but he's a little bit more of a uh, kind of a a, a gambler. And I mean, a gambler in a way that he's going to get up on you. He's going to be physical. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to be grabby, hold, you know, he's going to do those types of things just to prevent you from catching the football. And, and I mentioned that, you know, Kyle Pitts, you know, the thing about Pitts is he's gone against all these guys like Horn, Sertan, you know, all these guys have taken shots at trying to cover this guy. Uh, Joseph from Kentucky is another guy. So these corners have all had a shot at this guy, but you know, they're all, and I have to say that the one corner that covered Pitts the best uh, was JC Horn from South Carolina. So you know, that might be something when you're watching the tape that, you know, if, if say, Sertan was gone, would they look at J.C. Horn as a possibility there at 10? Uh, there's always that possibility. I was going to ask you because I found this interesting. First of all, I'm, I'm diving into Dane Brugler's The Beast, and I just, I always get it printed and bound every year. It's amazing. Uh, if you guys are not subscribed to The Athletic and getting your hands on this, you need to. It's a gem. But I see J.C. Horn is from my hometown, Alfreda, Georgia. But what I also noticed a lot of times, and we talked about this with Trayvon Diggs last year, a lot of these corners had have previous lives as wide receivers. And I I find that interesting. We talk a lot about, you know, there's a lot of wide receiver depth, it seems, at, t- at times in these drafts. But I was listening to J- Daniel Jeremiah talk about how a lot of people are giving advice to these young wide receivers coming out of high school that maybe they should go ahead and switch to corner because – it's similar skill sets, but there's there's less depth at that position in the drafts and they can go higher. 
Do you feel like that's an accurate statement and you're kind of seeing those transitions being made with these players as you're evaluating the cornerback position and their, and their history as, as athletes? No, you're absolutely right about that. And, you know, and I'll give you another example. There's a kid named Robert Rochelle from Central Florida that's a he's like a third round corner. And, you know, he's from a small little school there in Arkansas. And, you know, he was like, you know, right now he's a six foot, 193 pound player. But coming out of high school, you know, he was like a no star recruit. But here he is now third round, potentially in a draft. Maybe he could go higher. But he was, you know, here he is a great athlete. He was a wide receiver, got to Central Arkansas. And they're like, eh, maybe we need to make you. And he's got really good ball skills. It wasn't one of those things where usually – if a guy's a wide receiver and he doesn't catch the ball very well, they move him to cornerback. But in to your point, there's some of these guys that are really good athletes who've got ball skills and stuff like that, and they just go ahead and naturally move them over to corner. And, and again, like a guy like Rochelle uh, has been able to make that transition, and you know he's going to get you know selected from a you know from a tiny school and and get an opportunity to play in the NFL because of you know his ability to switch from one position to the other. Yeah. So likelihood, if you had to kind of put a, a wager on it, if you will, that the Cowboys would have more than one first round pick come next Thursday. Do you feel like that's literally just, or is it so early to even decide right now? Because I'm, I'm looking at well, this yeah. and I, I think that there's options if they were to, you know, if you miss out on Sertan, right? You just mentioned right. Horn. Like I think Horn's going to be available a little bit later than Sertan potentially. I mean, there's, Guys like Micah Parsons and Caleb Farley, I feel like has a little bit of, of cloud over his head because of that surgery. So it feels like you could fall right. back a few spots and still get some really quality value and maybe additional picks elsewhere, I guess. I don't even know if a first two first rounders, but more picks. No, you're absolutely right about that. And that's something you have to evaluate. And, you know, but if you're the Cowboys and you're holding on, say, a cornerback, and, you know, you're, you're, you know, if your cornerback is there at 10, you know, go ahead and make the pick, you know, but if you feel like that, well, hey, this board's coming down in a way where there's going to be multiple cornerbacks on the board, you know, maybe some these, all these quarterbacks went, uh, the offensive tackles went, uh, you know, pits went, the wide receivers went, maybe it's driving some guys down. Now, you know, you could, you could kind of, gauge where you need to fall on that board and not go too far. The problem you run into guys is once you look behind you uh, with those picks, you know, and you got the giants and the Eagles, uh, you know, there, I, I think the giants are going to take a receiver. The Eagles are surely looking at receiver uh, at their spot too. Yeah. So, you know, maybe 11 and 12 are going to take offense, but once you get past that, there's a lot of teams that are, if, if you look at team needs, whether it's you know uh, a first or a primary need or a secondary need of cornerback, and so it's going to be difficult that somebody's not going to let you trade back to that spot, thinking that oh well hey we'll just trade back here and, and you know and grab a corner because there's a lot of other teams behind you that might not let you in. They might say no, nah, we got our guy. We're going to take our guy. We're going to take our guy and. And so now you're in a little bit of a situation where you traded out of a spot and now you've traded away from potentially a guy that you could have used. Now, yeah, it, depending on, you know, I don't get, I'm not getting the vibe that they're really, really high on the Newsom kid uh, from uh, Northwestern, who is another corner. 
Yeah. But, you know, I mean, that's a trade back possibility. You mentioned Farley from Virginia Tech in the back. I was told that the back could be okay through rehab. Yeah. But then again, long term, you're looking at some problems there. So maybe that takes that corner out of spot. So, you know, if you're if you know, if you're if you're looking at a corner and all of a sudden you're thinking, well, we're gonna trade back, well, okay, like the names I mentioned, you know, Samuel from Florida State, Joseph from Kentucky, Stokes from Georgia, Molden from Washington, you know, those are the types of guys that you might be looking at if you traded back. And they're all good players, but if you had a chance to take uh, Horn or Sertan or vice versa, whatever, I think you would, I, I think you'd be foolish not to go ahead and make that play. Yeah. I heard you uh, wanted to trade back to 19 and make Washington give you Chase Young. And I kind of like that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that was one of my favorite ones that, <laughs> you know, I, I like to try and make people mad, you know, it's one of my things. <laughs> and so, you know, and yeah, if, and to your point, Megan, if, if, you know, if you want to, if one of those quarterbacks is there at 10 and the football team is, you know, and, and, and let's be honest, I think the football team is a quarterback away from being really good, you know, and I, you know, I mean, I look at what they've done on defense. I really like Ron Rivera. I think their offensive line, their running game, they, they could use a couple more skill guys, you know, out, outside, but they got a really good tight end in Logan Thomas. I mean, so yeah, if, if you want, you want to draft your potential future quarterback, well, then, yeah, you give me your you give me that defensive then. Let me let's be honest, though. You know, they they the the Redskins last year. I mean, they they could have they could have taken a quarterback, you know, second overall. And then you yep. know, that kid ended up out there at the at the Chargers. And, you know, we've kind of all seen how that that goes. I mean, Chase Young's a heck of a player. But, yeah, I'm not just going to sit there and give you, oh, you know, give you. 10 and let you draft a quarterback for 19 and oh hey and kick in a you know kick in something else I'm going to make you have to make that decision so you know maybe somebody maybe the maybe the Giants at 11 or the Eagles at 12 maybe they make that call but I'm going to make you pay for it if you're going to come get that quarterback I love these wild scenarios so bring it on I I, kind of live for them I'm being honest (laughs) yeah at this point like the 10th pick just kind of seems certain if you if you hear what I'm saying yeah um, no that's yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> she's good for one every show brought us every show I love a pun I just have to say I like it I like it yeah I like that a lot that's that's hanging around David Hellman way too no, much kidding. Right, hey yeah. I had that before him all right that's you did. I, I, I'll give you credit for that one. I, I might even <laughs> steal that one from you too. By you way. should. You should really catch him off guard and yeah, use that go. one. <laughs> um, so what about other picks? I mean, again, we've talked first round into infinity, it feels like. So there's a lot of solid yeah. names, as you've mentioned, and even some trade back scenarios. But, you know, we're looking at these mock drafts and and there's everyone and anyone's doing them. But what about other rounds, like round two, three, and two and three that are some names that people should be looking out for that could make some sense for this team to pick up. Yeah. You, you know, and that, and that's really when the draft, I mean, we, we all tend to, the one great thing about how draft is, you know, come through the media is now we all have to know all the names. I mean, that's, that used to be where you could kind of know about the first round guys and, and then away you go. But I, I, I you know, I mentioned, you know, it, the, the Cowboys and I was just doing a, a show just before I came on with you guys they were asking me about free safeties. And, you know, I mentioned a guy like Richie Grant from Central Florida. 
as a as a true free safety. I mean, this guy's like a fearless defender. You can play him up or back. It doesn't matter. He's always around the ball. He's a turnover machine when it comes to getting the ball in the air or knocking it loose when, you know, I mean, he's just super impressive how easy it is for him to knock the ball away. Uh, another kid, uh, uh, Jevin Holland from uh, Oregon is, a, you know, he, he opted out of the season because of the COVID stuff, but he, here's another true free safety. I mean, in the way he plays, this guy's a ball hawk, much like with Grant, you know, he has a feel for how to position himself and, and make those plays, you know, uh, and to read the routes quickly and stuff. So, you know, I, I wouldn't discount this team looking, uh, you know, looking that route right there with say, you know, uh, Warreg is a guy to TCU, another safety that's kind of a true free. So, you know, yeah, safety could be a spot. Maybe even this defensive end spot could be, you know, depending on, you know, uh, I know Boogie Basham from uh, Wake Forest is a guy, uh, Tryon from Washington, Osai from Texas, Turner from Houston. I mean, there's all these guys right there, those kind of those edge rusher defensive end guys that we like. You know, the the linebackers kind of uh, at 44. Uh, I, I don't think that this Jamin Davis from Kentucky will be there. But maybe Bolton from Missouri, Mike Browning from Ohio State, Moses from Alabama, um, you know, that kind of takes care of things like on that defensive side of the ball. If you flip it to the offense, you know, I think there's some concern about what's going on with offensive tackle. I do believe that, you know, in visiting with some folks over there, you know, that's why everybody at 10 has said, well, maybe they would take a tackle. Maybe if Slater from Northwestern was there, that they would take a guy because there are some health concerns for Tyron Smith. And, you know, if, if you want to protect yourself that way, you could still draft a tackle, put him at guard, and, you know, and then kind of go, you know, how, see how things go for Tyron Smith. If he lasts the entire year, good. If he doesn't, well, then you have the ability to kick a guy to the outside. I, I know this uh, Jenkins from Oklahoma State is a possibility. Leatherwood from Alabama. Cosme uh, uh, from uh, from University of Texas is a guy that I think that people should become familiar with. So there's some offensive tackles in that second, third round that if they don't, you know, if they say, okay, well, you know, we're not going to take, we're not going to take another corner. We're not going to take a linebacker. We're not going to take an edge. Well, I, I, I failed to mention you guys to the defensive tackles. I don't see a first or really a first round, you know, player as far as a one technique or a three technique, but in the second round, like a guy like Barmore from Alabama, uh, McNeil is a third round guy from North Carolina state. I think they're looking for a big, big body guy. You're one of those 318 to 323 pound guys that can play that one technique, you know, and then they can allow guys like Tristan Hill and Neville, Neville Gallimore and those guys to potentially have some success. This this draft, when it gets to the second, third, fourth rounds, they're going to be, I think they're going to be okay, especially with multiple picks in each round. They don't have a fifth round pick, but two in the, two in the second, two in the third, and two in the fourth. I mean, you could do some damage with that kind of draft. I feel like I was reading somewhere that a GM was saying to a reporter about how the depth at offensive tackle this year is disappointing. I, do you feel like there was a position? No, I, yeah, I, 
I think I, I would disagree with that because yeah. I, yeah, I would, because, you know, I'm looking at my board and, you know, you know, I, I, there was a guy, I didn't even mention as a second round guy, this, this Walker little from, uh, from Stanford, you know, Eichenberg from Notre Dame, Christensen from BYU, Hudson from Cincinnati. I mean, heck, you know, guys, there's, there's like, you know, there's like, nine guys, 10 guys. I mean, this thing could stretch all the way into the fourth round comes to these offensive tackles. I, I would disagree. Maybe not with what we've seen in the past. In the past couple of drafts, we've seen multiple first round offensive tackles. In this draft, you really have Sewell, Derrishaw from Virginia Tech, you know, Slater. A lot of people think Slater's a guard. Uh, Vera Tucker from USC is a guard. So, if you're talking about first-round offensive linemen, it's likely two tackles and two guards as far as first-round offensive linemen, and you know, got and and then you know some guys like I mentioned, Jenkins, Leatherwood, Mayfield, those guys could all be taken, you know, in the in the draft in, in the first round. But you know, I don't have a first-round grade on that. What if you did draft a tackle in the first or second round, right? Like just yeah, yeah. situationally, you know, yeah, you I think got- yeah. Would would he would you slate him in? I mean, would he just be a swing backup and like learn the ropes? No, no. What would that look no. like? What you do, yeah. What you do is like, say you draft the kid Slater from Northwestern, right? You know, say he's you know, because he's a he's a guy that everybody believes could be. There's people that believe, and scouts I've talked to believe that he could be like a Zach Martin at guard, right? If he just played guard full time. So what you would do is you would likely put him at left guard for Connor Williams. Okay. And then you can, and then you can make Connor Williams your swing tackle, swing guard, maybe even work him some at center. Yeah. So, you know, but I, I think that if, if you were to draft a first round offensive lineman like a Slater or Vera Tucker, you'd plug them in at guard and you would just go. This team has great success if you go back and look at first round, you know, first round offensive linemen that, you know, that, that well, especially since Will McClay's taken over that they've been able to draft, you know, they've been able to draft guys that, that have come in the, you know, the, the, the Smiths, the Martins, the Travis Fredericks, they've had some success with those first round linemen. Yeah. Well, that's what I was wondering. Cause I was like, I was thinking if you draft, if you, if you really think that highly of them, but you have your starters and you know, they're there, like, what? Well, how would you find a way to slot them in? And that makes sense because, you know, I think we yeah. all agree like Connor definitely did his role last year, but I think it's, very obvious in that role in that position he would be the weakest link and so you kind of you know adjust yeah you would you would definitely you would definitely work him as the like i said i would work him at all three spots i'd have him learn how to snap which teams actually worked him out i was at a workout in austin when he was coming out and the new orleans saints worked him out as a center so you know yeah that there's all kinds of possibilities there do you remember when his brother was a like a scout quarterback for us years ago I do. I Dolphin. do. And yeah, it was. Yeah, it was funny. But, you know, it's funny. He's kind of a, he's a different cat. You know, I mean, I, I it's one of those guys when you, you know, you try to know him. And I, you know, I used to call Coppell football games like myself and yeah. Ted Emmerich were calling Coppell high school football games. And I was talking with him about it. And he was like, really not interested in talking. Now, here I was trying to like pump up his high school and he. He wasn't too interested in doing that. So anyway, kind of a different cat. So Meg and I did a call out for questions and uh, I'll let her kick it off, but we kind of want to do a bit of a rapid fire with you if you're, if you're ready sure. for that. Sure. All right. 
If uh, we draft Pitts at 10, do we trust Coach Moore to use him properly? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, you would like to believe if you draft Kyle Pitts at 10, you're, you're thinking about, okay, what are all the things that we can do with him? And Dan Mullen was his head coach at Florida. Dan Mullen was Dak Prescott's head coach at Mississippi State. You know, I think that Kellen Moore, one of the great things I think that Kellen Moore has shown the ability to do is to steal ideas from other programs. And, you know, most really good offensive play callers do that. And so, yeah, I think that if you draft a guy like Pitts, I wouldn't look at him as just a tight end. I would look at him as really a weapon. I mean, I think you could put him in the slot. You could put him as a wing. You could put him wide. He's going to help you in the red zone. The Cowboys have had so many problems down in the red zone. I think you have to come up with some creative things to do with him. But once he's on the field, I mean, his his reach is so incredible. And when he extends to go get the ball, you can't play through him because of his body type. And you can't play too because when you're slapping at the ball, you're basically hitting his wrist because his hands are that much further out than your than your reach going through him. So, yeah, I, I would trust that Kellen Moore would come up with a pretty good plan to get him involved in what they need to do. All right. So with Dallas's free agency signings on the D line, is one technique or three technique the bigger need in the draft? Yeah, I think the one is. You know, and I mentioned guys like McNeil for. Well, Barmore, you know, if you if you traded back in the draft and you were somewhere around, uh, say you traded to that New England spot at 15 or you get to 20, I think that that's where Barmore from Alabama comes into play. I've got McNeil from North Carolina State uh, as a big body. Uh, I got him in the third round. Wilson from Florida State is another big body guy. They sent their defensive line coach to work him out at Florida State, so keep an eye on that. But I think they're hunting the I think they're hunting the one techniques right now. Awesome. Would you stay at 10 and pick certain or would you trade down to 15 and add a second round pick and take Newsom or JOK? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question too because I think we you know, everybody has this grand vision of if you trade to 15 New England's going to give you a first round pick. I don't think that's going to be the case. Now, what you could do is you can make them give you 46, which is a second round pick. That would give you 15, 44, and 46. You could do some damage pick in that way. I think the thing with uh, with Newsom, I I personally, like I say, not getting a vibe that that would be the direction they go. I wonder if they would go Farley, even though we talked about it, that there might be some long-term stuff with the back. But, you know, uh, you know, we would I mean, that that would be something that I would be really, really interested to see. But like say Newsom. Yeah. You know, could they pick him? Sure. But I just again, talking to some folks, I'm, I'm not really sure. Maybe they're bluffing on that one for me a little bit. The thing with JOK, then that's a, a, a Coromora from Notre Dame. Um, I, I, I wonder where they would play Coromora. Me personally. I, you know, it reminds me very much of the discussion we had with about Simmons, who Arizona took. He was a kid from Clemson last year, and he, you know, he was playing strong safety. He was playing linebacker. He was playing in the slot. He was playing. The thing with Cora Moore from Notre Dame is he could play all those things. He's a linebacker that can play in the slot. I project him to play strong safety. I'm not really sure that the Cowboys at 15, even though, again, I think he's an outstanding player, and at 15, I would welcome him. 
I don't know if the Cowboys see him to, as having really a spot to where to play him. So uh, I, I think the two players you named uh, at 15 with Newsom and Coromora would be interesting takes. Maybe that's where we would go back to Barmore, the defensive tackle, and I think that might be a little bit more of a sure thing. Um, all right, so DC Flagrunner wants to know if Sertan is unavailable at 10. I think I might know the answer to this because we, we've discussed him several times already, but what defensive player best fits our new DC scheme? Is it going to be Horn? Yeah, it's going to be Horn. Yeah, it's going to be Horn because, again, you know, and, and you know, it's it's – I've had this discussion with my friend Mike Lombardi, who does a lot of stuff, you know, in the in the sports media stuff. He was a general manager, and you know, we talk about Dan Quinn's scheme. I, I think the thing with Horn and people, you know, he he he's not afraid to grab, he's not afraid to hold, he's a physical guy, but you can play him up tight and he'll be just fine. You could play him off and he'll drive on the ball. I mean, I've seen things where uh, situations on film where. He's, you know, they run slants on him. He's dropped, he's planted his foot in the ground, come forward and knock the ball down. You know, he don't worry about, you know, don't worry about the scheme with this guy because you, he's very flexible in that way. And, you know, they keep telling us that, you know, oh, well, we, we adjust the scheme to for our players. Well, yeah, I hope so. I mean, but they didn't do it last year. But, you know, with a new defensive coordinator, me personally, I, I really like Farley a lot. I just don't think that they would do it because of the back. But Horn would make a whole heck of a lot of sense there, too, if you really wanted the corner. Well, I have a good one for you, uh, fellow Tiger fan. <laughs> if uh, Jamar Chase was there at 10, would you take him, being that he's the best wideout in the class? Yeah, he is. He is the <laughs> best He is the best wideout in the draft. And and. You know, it's funny because you got two Alabama players behind him and then a Florida player behind that. Does so, that make you feel good? Oh, no. Well, yeah, the thing with Chase is, though, he is just so rare in the, in the way he plays. And, you know, he makes it so effortless the way he plays. I will say this. The Alabama kids are outstanding. That, that Devonta Smith, I, I think that that guy right there, Heisman. everybody talks about his lack of, of size. That guy's Marvin Harrison to me. And if I know a lot of people know who Marvin Harrison is, the wide receiver used to be with the Colts. They caught a million balls from, you know, Peyton Manning back in the day. But when I mean, you start talking about body types and stuff, but yeah, with Chase, I I don't see him getting I don't see him getting to the Cowboys. I, I just kind of feel like that there's a group of, of teams that are really, really hunting a wide receiver up top. I know the Dolphins uh, you know, you, let's just go, let's just start at five. Cincinnati at five, you know, clearly could use a wide receiver. The Dolphins at six could use a wide receiver, depending on which one. Uh, you, you go back in the draft, uh, you know, maybe somebody trades up to that spot, you know, eight or nine. I mean, Detroit's talked about taking a wide receiver at seven. But, you know, maybe somebody trades up to eight or nine to grab that guy. I just don't see him there. But if he was there, man, that would be a lot of fun. I just don't think that they – but then again, I didn't think they – wasn't supposed Lamb. to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you never know. But uh, this this guy, this guy, it's, it's, a, it's a rare player up there when you start talking about Chase, I believe. What are your thoughts on the whole Joey B maybe having some input in the concept of drafting Chase over yeah. – tackle or someone for the offensive line like would are you buying that or do you think it's smoke and mirrors and then would you even think that's a smart decision I mean obviously 
they, I mean, but they still have some guys up there in terms of some weapons. And I mean, Burrow couldn't even stay on the field last year. And I don't think it was mainly his fault. No. And that's, you know, the offensive line, that's something that the Bengals have struggled with. They've tried to draft tackles and it really hasn't worked all that well for them. I mean, there was a time where the Bengals were really one of the better offensive lines, you know, and I, I think it goes back to what we were all talking about earlier. You know, you go out and you get a guy like Chase at five and you did, you turn back around in the top of the second, you take Jenkins, Leatherwood, Cosme, Little, Eichenberg. You take one of those guys. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There, there are offensive linemen. If you go and take who the best player is on your board and say it is Chase and it's a huge weapon. And I'll say this about Cincinnati. They had the smallest scouting staff in the league. And so what happens is they're a very coach-driven program. So if you're coach-driven, it means coaches have opinions on players. I guarantee you they're asking Joe Burrow about Chase. Those two won a national championship together. Sure. So, yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past I wouldn't put it past Joe Burrow walking in there and saying, "Hey, what receivers do you guys got on the board?" You know, it, but make sure that Chase is the top one, whoever you guys got. So, yeah, I I I think that I think especially that scouting staff with it being coach driven, a small staff, the Brown family owning it. Yeah, Joe Burrow's got a, a, a an opinion on what's going on there. So, in terms of evaluations of players, I've got one final question for you. Are you? I know you're so locked in and, and connected to all these guys in the industry, not just at the Cowboys, but are you getting a feeling from this front office folk that you're speaking with that they feel confident in their evaluations and the accuracy of them, despite the conditions that they've had to make them under? Because again, obviously it's unprecedented still. They've had to do most of this virtual, it seems like. And, you know, I'm sure that affects things. So do you feel like they feel good about the grades that they're giving these guys when it comes to, you know, next Thursday? Yeah, that's a great question because the problem scouts go on the road, you know, they're on the road for 200 days a year, basically, you know, right. and last year they couldn't go to schools. And so all they were doing was sitting at homes and driving their families nuts because everybody's so used to them being gone. It's like, dad, when are you going to leave? You know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And so, but yeah, what when I've talked to people, scouts around the league, the one thing that they were really, really concerned about were the medicals, you know, and a couple of weeks ago, like, uh, like 150 players, you know, when they go to the combine, they get physicals on 325 guys, you know, and so that's huge. You know, that's really what the combine's about. The combine's not so much about the workouts. The combines are about the medical, you know, bringing all those guys in and making sure that, you know, there's no back problems and make sure that, you know, we have the heart valves are, clear and you know all that stuff and mris and all that stuff's clean you know and but you know last week or two weeks ago they were able to get like 150 guys to come in and do some checkups you know i know that made some guys feel a little bit better because there was a time when i first started in scouting where you know the the trainer at a school would hand you the guy's medical history and now with the hipaa laws and stuff like that they can't do that so yeah, it's very, very scary to know that you're about to draft a player that you might not have a complete medical history on or that you really haven't been able to talk to somebody at that school to see how they handled the pandemic stuff. Were they a good teammate? Were they a bad teammate? You know, were they were they always having to worry about the guy? I mean, you know, any kind of background information, that's what these scouts live on. 
and not only the tape to watch and play, but the background information. And a lot of guys are scrambling right now trying to make sure that they have all that uh, taken care of. Fascinating. Always such a pleasure having you, my friend. Thank you for hopping on this show. We greatly appreciate it, and we're excited for your analysis all throughout next week. Yeah, I look forward to it, guys. Uh, thank you. I. Uh, it's funny, when we were talking about it, it made me feel really, really old when we started talking about all these players and then fathers evaluating. So maybe it's time for me to go fishing and get away from all this stuff. <laughs> I know you have your trip every year. So I, it's post draft. Guys, you can there you go. Brian on GBAG Nation Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. on the draft show as well on DallasCowboys.com. Obviously on Twitter. And I mean, you're all over the place. So especially this time of year, the Brian Broaddus analysis is abundant. Thank you again for joining us. Um, Meg, that's all I've got for you guys today. Yeah, I mean, Broadus, thank you for uh, joining us so we could go over a broadest range of topics today. Ah, there we go. It's number two. Well, it's going to be a drinking game. We're turning into a drinking game. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> guys, thanks so much again for joining us. You can find us wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, or Stitcher. We're also on YouTube. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Kelsey underscore Charles, also on Instagram at Hey Kelsey Charles. And Megan is at Meg Murray with four R's. And I know we have Brian on the show and he actually did work for this team, but it's okay because there's some words that we always leave our fans with. And Meg, I will go ahead and let you lay it on the people. Dallas forever, Philly for never. <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs>